This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on Insurance. I am an attorney who has retired from the practice of law and now spend my time as an insurance claims consultant and expert witness, an author and producer of these videos. Today I'd like to speak about punitive damages and the controls that the U.S. courts, including the U.S. Supreme Court, has placed upon the proof needed to acquire punitive damages. The U.S. Supreme Court has clearly stated that punitive damages may properly be imposed to further a state's legitimate interests in punishing unlawful conduct and deterring its repetition. This is BMW of North America versus Gore. In 2003, the U.S. Supreme Court put limited punitive damages in the United States when in State Farm Mutual versus Campbell, by a 6-3 to three vote, the Supreme Court overturned a $145 million verdict against the insurer. The Supreme Court concluded that a punitive damages award of $145 million, where full compensatory damages were only $1 million, is excessive and violates the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. Justice Kennedy, writing for the majority, limited the ability of state and federal courts to award huge punitive damages awards and concluded that it was improbable that a punitive damage award more than a single-digit multiplier of the compensatory damages award would seldom, if ever, pass the due process test. The Supreme Court in BMW of North America v. Gore set forth specific tests that must be met before punitive damages could fulfill the requirements of due process. The State Farm Mutual Automobile Insurance Company v. Campbell case arose out of an automobile accident where one party was killed and another severely injured. The Campbells, insured by State Farm, attempted to pass six vehicles on a two-lane highway, failed, and caused the driver of an oncoming car to drive off the road to escape collision with the Campbells' vehicle. The Campbells only had $25,000 coverage per person and $50,000 in the aggregate. The Campbells felt they were not at fault because there was no contact between the two vehicles. State Farm ignored the advice of its adjuster and counsel to accept policy limits demand and took the case to trial. The verdict at trial was more than $180,000, and the State Farm appointed counsel told the Campbells to put their house on the market since they would need the money to pay the verdict. State Farm refused to pay the judgment and to fund an appeal. The Campbells retained personal counsel to pursue an appeal that was not successful, entered in a, into a settlement with the plaintiffs, where the plaintiffs agreed to not execute on their judgment, 
in exchange for an assignment of 90% of all money received in a bad faith action by the Campbells against State Farm. Before suit was filed, State Farm paid the full judgment. At trial, the plaintiffs brought in evidence of actions of State Farm in first-party cases across the country. In third-party cases not similar to the Campbell's auto accident and other evidence not related to the facts of their case. The Supreme Court found that State Farm's handling of the claims against the Campbells merits no praise, but concluded a more modest punishment could have satisfied the state's legitimate objectives. Instead, this case was used as a platform to expose and punish the perceived deficiencies of State Farm's operations throughout the country. However, a state cannot punish a defendant for conduct that may have been lawful where it occurred. State Farm Mutual versus Campbell created a major precedent-changing limitation on the right of a jury to assess punitive damages, settling limits on total amounts that can be assessed and the types of wrongful conduct a jury can consider. In Nickerson versus Stonebridge Life Insurance Company, applying the State Farm versus Campbell precedent and the California Supreme Court precedent in Sa Simon versus San Paolo U.S. Holding, was asked to deal with a punitive damage award the trial court found to be excessive. The sole issue raised by both parties concerned the punitive damages award, specifically whether the trial court's remitted her of, of that award from $19 million to $350,000 based on a ratio of punitive to compensatory damages of 10 to 1 comports with due process. The trial court ruled that a policy provision limiting coverage was not conspicuous, plain, and clear, and was therefore unenforceable, entitling the Nickersons to $31,500 in additional benefits under their policy. A jury then found that Stonebridge had breached the implied covenant of good faith and fair dealing and awarded Nickerson $35,000 in compensatory damages for emotional distress. The jury found Stonebridge acted with fraud and fixed the punitive damages award at $19 million. The trial court conditionally granted Stonebridge's new trial motion unless Nickerson can set into a reduction of the punitive damages to $350,000. Both parties appealed. Stonebridge insured Nickerson under a policy providing coverage for hospital confinement, intensive care unit confinement, and emergency room visits. Stonebridge agreed to pay indemnity in the amount of $350 a day for each day of confinement in a hospital for a covered injury, $350 per day for each day of confinement in a hospital intensive care unit, 
and $150 per visit to a hospital emergency room. Although payment of claims under this policy is related to health care services rendered to the insured, the policy is not health care insurance that pays for medical expenses. The insured is free to use the funds in any manner he or she wishes, including, for example, for rent on or a car payment. Nickerson was sitting in a motorized wheelchair on a lift, about to be lowered from his van, when he accidentally struck the control, causing the wheelchair to lurch forward. He fell from the wheelchair on the lift down to the pavement. Nickerson suffered a comminuted displaced fracture of his right tibia and fibula, meaning the leg was broken, splintered and out of place. Stonebridge acknowledged that Nickerson's claim fell within the policy's grant of coverage and not within the policy's stated exceptions. Nickerson's lawsuit alleged Stonebridge breached the insurance contract by failing to pay him benefits for the full 109 days of his hospital stay and that Stonebridge breached the implied covenant of good faith and fair dealing by acting unreasonably and in bad faith in denying him the full policy benefits. The jury returned a special verdict, finding that Stonebridge's failure to pay policy benefits was unreasonable or without proper cause, and that Nickerson suffered $35,000 in damages for emotional distress as a result. The jury also found Stonebridge had engaged in the conduct with fraud. Stonebridge moved for judgment notwithstanding the verdict seeking a reduction in the punitive damage award from $19 million to 35000 The insurer argued that punitive damages award was unconstitutionally excessive and that it should not exceed the amount of tort damages awarded. The trial court denied Stonebridge Stonebridge's JNOV motion. On the new trial motion, however, after conducting the constitutional analysis under State Farm, the trial court reduced the punitive damages award to a ratio of punitive to compensatory damages of 10 to 1. The trial court entered a judgment on June 13, 2011 awarding Nickerson compensatory damages of $31,500 for breach of contract, $35,000 for breach of the implied covenant, plus $12,500 in attorney's fees as economic damages, $30,603.45 in costs, and $19 million in punitive damages. Nickerson rejected the reduction in punitive damages and filed an appeal. Neither party challenges the judgment of liability or the jury instructions employed at trial. Accordingly, the court neither addressed neither the correctness of the liability judgment nor the instructions. The contentions on appeal raise only the question whether the remitted punitive damages award passes constitutional muster under the Due Process Clause. By way of background, the jury was given a special verdict form 
that asked it to answer separately whether Stonebridge's conduct involved oppression, malice, or fraud. The jury answered these three questions, no as to oppression, no as to malice, and yes as to fraud. Punitive damages may be imposed under state law to further a state's legitimate interest in punishing unlawful conduct and deterring its repetition. States have considerable flexibility in determining the appropriate level of punitive damages to allow in different classes of cases and in any particular case. The amount of punitive damages offends due process under the 14th Amendment as arbitrary only if the award is grossly excessive in relation to the state's legitimate interests in punishment and deterrence. In determining the constitutional maximum for particular punitive damages awards under the Due Process Clause, the court was directed to follow three guideposts. One, the degree of reprehensibility of the defendant's misconduct. Two, the disparity between the actual or potential harm suffered by the plaintiff and the punitive damages award. And three, the difference between the punitive damages award by the jury and the civil penalties authorized or, or imposed in comparable cases. The most important indicia of the reasonableness of a punitive damages award is the degree of reprehensibility of the defendant's conduct. Punitive damages must also bear a reasonable relationship to compensatory damages or the plaintiff's actual or potential harm. Courts must ensure that the major measure of punishment is both reasonable and proportionate to the amount of harm to the plaintiff and to the general damages recovered. In California, the Supreme Court discerned the following presumption from the High Court's endorsement of single-digit ratios. Ratios between punitive damages award and the plaintiff's actual or potential compensatory damages is significantly greater than 9 or 10 to 1 are suspect and absent special justification cannot survive appellate scrutiny under the due process clause. Nickerson received a small amount of compensatory damages for his personal injuries, for which the monetary value was difficult to determine. Nickerson's $35,000 tort award contains no punitive element as the award was to compensate him for his emotional distress not to punish Stonebridge. The order denying the motion for judgment notwithstanding the verdict was affirmed. The order granting new trial was vacated. The trial court was directed by the Court of Appeal to modify its judgment by reducing the punitive damage award to $350,000, and as modified, the judgment was affirmed. Justice Kroski dissented because an inconsistent verdict finding fraud but no malice ordinarily requires a reversal for a new trial. 
However, he concluded a new trial is not warranted as there is no substantial evidence to support the jury's finding of fraud. As a result, according to Justice Cross, Crosby, Stonebridge is entitled to a judgment that awards no punitive damages. He was overruled. The state of California, through its legislature and courts, have determined that punitive damages serve a public purpose and deter wrongdoers from wrongful conduct. Regardless, to allow Nickerson and his lawyers to benefit from a $19 million punitive damages award based on only $35,000 in compensatory damages would do the exact opposite of serve a public purpose. As I have said many times in the past, the tort of bad faith and punitive damages must be reconsidered. Juries are often misled that the poor victim of an insurer's bad faith will be able to enjoy the compensation. After paying a contingency fee to counsel and state and federal income taxes, the plaintiff would recover little or nothing of the punitive damages, and the jury should be allowed to understand that, as should all litigants. This video was adapted from my book, Insurance, Bad Faith, and Punitive Damages Desk Book, which is available from fastcase.com and the fastcase.com bookstore and was published by the Full Court Press. If you found this video to be useful or interesting, please pass it to your colleagues. It's free. And please subscribe to my YouTube channel, my Rumble channel, and my blog so that you can view the future videos and so that you can be made aware of new blog posts. Thank you for your attention.